there we go. Oh, we're in. we're live, man. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, John Norman, welcome to the Madness Continues podcast. Hey, Brendan, I'm glad to be here. Super this good is, to be here. This is uh, it's been a while. I haven't seen you in a while, actually. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> it's a long time coming. I've been, you know, all over the world. Um, <laughs> you know, just doing my thing. Doing my thing. No, but it's so hard to keep in touch, especially with the people you want to the, the most, you know. I just I assume you're talking about me. <laughs> well, no, yeah. I want to see you more than anyone ever. Um, but uh, yeah, no, you don't get to, we don't get to see each other that much. It's weird cuz we used to live together. So And it made it easy. Yeah, and then now I you know, it's been a year since I moved out of the uh, of the house of jokes. And it so is. now it's like the house of cokes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Just <laughs> I believe it, man. You turn that whole building, with the exception of the first floor, you turn that whole building into a... It's, it's all comedians now. Well, yeah. And the thing is, is our original landlord um, is... Was like, you know, we, we were close, you know. He yeah. got to know us and we like... he, we, he you know what I mean? He was like, he could get on to us for something, yeah. but he was still cool with us. And like, we had navigated that like relationship, learning to learn, knowing each other and learning each other. And then I would like plan this whole thing with him to have these people move into both apartments with me. Yeah. Got everything fixed away. And then he was like, we're actually going to, you're going to have a new landlord. It's going to be my little sister. <laughs> and so now I invited you know, five buffoons to move with me. <laughs> And then now I'm getting to know the new landlord, too, and they're complete idiots, you know? So it's just like... Oh, uh, that was Horacio. Yeah. And then now his little sister. And it's funny because knowing him and knowing how the women in that family work, she's, like, way more... She ain't fucking around about anything. Yeah. <laughs> and she's really sweet, but she's also, like, you know... I think, too, she doesn't know us, and... Yeah. Um, She's just like, nope, not into that. Whatever that last thing y'all tried to pull, nope. <laughs> Not doing that. That's how it's going to be from now on. Oh no, so man! We do is she it. married? No. Yeah, is she's, she's my age. She's our age. She okay? Got it. But is yeah. she she's single or is she like living with her boyfriend or something? No, I don't know. I have no idea, really. I know oh, that wow. the other girl that lives with her, Ashley, has a has a guy. Hmm. Mm. She's real sweet too. Wow. Yeah. So who all lives in that apartment? It's you and Eric Scott and John uh, Gasper, John Gasper, and my Luke no Newman, and then below is Luke Newman, Justin Connor, and their buddy Stephen Black, who's kind of who's just moved here. Got it. And he's new to comedy and things like that too. And um, yeah, so that's who we've got. And um, that's, and you just the, there must be it must be so insane. There must be just comics over that building all the time now. Constant. Yeah, nice. I mean, the other night we were like filming something. Gary Miller was in town. Yeah, uh, and we were filming something where I had like pantyhose and a dress on. I was in drag yeah. on our front porch at like one a.m. Yeah, I got some weird text from St. James Jackson. He was like, "Why is John Norman wearing pantyhose now?" Like, it's like not now. It's like it's on a picture of me. <laughs> I, di I didn't say uh, now. I'm now I'm now yeah. I'm wearing pantyhose. It's on a go forward basis. This is how I am now. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I look pretty good in those those hoes. Actually. <laughs> Are they stockings? I couldn't. I don't know. I don't know, man. I've seen you in tights before. You were dressing up as a ladybug. Oh, yeah. Halloween. That's kind of my. That's my go-to. That was like the night. second time I ever ran into you. I was just. I just started dating Gloria, and we ran into you at like the sports authority that closed. They used oh, to that's be around right. the corner. Yeah, and I was trying to get some stuff to dress up like a ladybug for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had all I needed except for I wanted some better tights. 
and some shorter shorts but um i think i've got yeah it, it was that was that was uh my go-to for a while now i'm gonna have to wear a dress well i haven't seen so the last time i we hung out like uh and actually spent some time together and got caught up was like some time ago and i've been talking to Corey because i hang out with him mm-hmm. i see him at a mic like on mondays at shakers around the corner and yeah. then we'll come back here and have a couple of drinks or something mm-hmm. um so i see him now more than i see you yeah. and i was trying to talk him into having i was like we should get together with just a bunch of these uh, comics over here and i've just been so busy that like working on other projects that i haven't had time to go out and do mics which is normally where i would run into yeah. you and really since march february i haven't had time to almost do any to go out and do mics i'm just starting to get back into it right now yeah and i mean you know i yeah i think that uh it's hard. It's it's like hard to do two things: show up to stuff or put stuff on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, if you wanted to get something, you know, accomplished, especially if you're doing comedy and things like that, you gotta. Got, I mean, relationships will struggle a little bit, you know. Yeah, but not like bad struggle. Just like you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to keep up with everybody, like to see what everybody's doing. It's mm-hmm. it's it's strange because uh, you you get used to having a social group that's essentially just through the world of open miking and and show, going to shows totally. and when you don't when you're not there you're almost like man i actually don't have any friends <laughs> yeah but you know and two though it's like over time you get to meet people from you know all around the scene and then i think the older i've gotten it start you start to just be like i don't really care if you're a comic but you just happen to all be comics so i just kind of hang out I, I get to know people that i like you know yep. more yep um and it makes it uh a little bit easier but i think with the thing with us is like you live with me all we lived with each other and so yeah. we never had to plan to see each other yep and then now having to plan and and you know i don't know if your audience knows this but i am a certified bum when it comes to planning <laughs> and communication um, as an example we were supposed to actually hang out like almost two hours ago and John was like, uh, hey, I. by the way, I can't. I mean, I had to push it first, actually. Yeah, you were like 2.30. I was leaving Detroit a lot later today than I thought I would um, and gotten into traffic on the way out here. And I knew that before we even left. I was like, it's going to be, I'm going to be here. I'm not going to get back to Chicago. I was planning to get here at 1. We yeah. were going to go to uh, grocery shopping, and then we we're going to come back here. This is the most boring fucking story. But, like, I just saw it going later. And so I basically yeah. texted you. But then John was like, actually, I didn't even wake up until 2.30. <laughs> yeah. I woke up, yeah, like 2.15. I'll be over at like 3. Yeah. Well, I woke <laughs> up and it was like my whole body hurts. Something's wrong. Um, but I was not going to cancel this. This was like a big not uh, cancel situation. So. Um, well, yeah, because you're going to be gone. So the other thing you were talking about is you're going to be, for the next two weeks at least, going to be kind of on the road. You're going to be back in Alabama, I think you said, and... Maybe yeah. Texas also. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go. I was thinking about Texas, but I'm not going to do Texas. Now I'm doing, I'm going home on the 14th, but I'm coming straight back here actually. Uh. Um, doing that because I'm, we're filming that thing that S- Steve Tappas and uh, Eric Scott and Gasper wrote. What is that? Um, oh, fuck. What's it called? I feel bad. <laughs> it's super good too. It's like really good. Yeah. We've already done like a read through on it and I like it. Uh, and that was the only day everybody could do it. Uh. And so I just, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go home and I'm going to drive back up here. I got a bunch of shit in my apartment. I'm going to take that back. 
and then I'm doing a show Tuesday, and then Wednesday, like the 22nd, I'm going to drive back. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then I'll probably be home for two or three weeks. Got it. Back yeah. back home, meaning in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Got Alabama. it. Okay, got it. Yeah. So you're it's gonna? Mean, oh, you? I thought you were gonna be gone. Uh, you're gonna be gone longer than I thought you would be. Then. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Are you gonna it, be doing shows in Alabama? I'm gonna try to. I mean, that's that's kind of on the to do list for the next few days is to reach out to some people. Um, but honestly, I'm gonna just gonna, you know, try not, you know drink 15 beers at you know yeah try as you try as you might buddy <laughs> yeah but just like you know work i mean i'm gonna do some work for my dad you know he's got uh i really like doing like laborish kind of stuff he's yeah. a coffee roaster and he's bought a building to roast in and i'm gonna help him with that and, yeah um he's got a lot of, he's like an entrepreneur he's got like a lot of stuff going on yeah it's too much he get, he gets just into so much stuff yeah he's like now he's like i'm a baker <laughs> oh man He's like a drug dealer with his coffee, though. He has huge burlap bags, like in his house. Yeah, he's I believe like a it. Cocaine dealer. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, I'm starting to slowly get into that. The my own roasting my own coffee. Really? Yeah, just on the on a pan on the stove, and uh, yeah, and I'm starting to try to try to get it in into people's hands. So, you know, it's it's exactly like being a pusher, drunk pusher, or something. Without question. Like I'm just like, yeah, hey man, just here's a free sample of this coffee. We've had a bunch of naked women cooking coffee in here, like New Jack City, <laughs> you know what I mean, or whatever. It is. Yeah, that's a great that's a great ad right there. Yeah, I just uh, need that. That's the whole aesthetic for the company. You just figured it out right now. Mm-hmm. That's a great. Nobody else is doing that in coffee. No one else is treating it like drugs. Actually, <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm going to be helping my dad with marketing, and I might have to steal that one. Oh, man, I I mean, technically you came up with it, but I feel like that's such a good, ah, uh, that's such a good visual. That's such he's a good such visual. A grumpy, yeah, too. Uh, yeah, and he honestly, he's been the only guy. Really, he's his only employee, and fucking crushes it. Yeah, he's the only guy you can get specialty coffee from around there too. So, um, wow, man. Yeah. So I'm gonna go work his farmers market booth and this guy. See, that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to take it to the farmers market. This is so goddamn boring. Everybody listen to this podcast. Um, here's what I wanted to ask you about. I know you how you got into comedy. We've talked we've talked about it, but it would be interesting to talk to kind of tell the audience kind of how you got how you got going because it's interest it's interesting to me because when you told me the story about how you got on how you got on stage and started, it was. It was interesting because you grew up in Alabama, but you really started doing a lot of comedy in Texas. Yeah. That's how you met Corey. I had no... Um, let me fix this. I had no... Um, I, you know, I had no comedy experience. I had no concept of an open mic. Like, I knew people would do them, but I didn't know that happened places. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I went out there. I never did it in Alabama. I had no concept of it, you know, when I was there. And then I moved to Texas and... Um, a buddy. Oh, I'm gonna. So I should tell the stories. <laughs> I'm gonna give the short, quick version of how I got to Texas. Uh, I was like a really big fuck up. I was like 23 or four. Got arrested and got sent out there. Went to drug treatment, and then got into college out there. Um, and then went to college for three years. And then when I was like 26, my senior year of college, I had a buddy. So he's one of my good friends, and he was like, I did comedy. And he filmed it too. You know, he's like did his first set too. Yeah. And he like filmed it and yeah. did well. And he was like, I killed. <laughs> and it was fun to watch. And I was sitting there watching it and I was being like, I could do better than this. <laughs> I had no concept of it. Yeah. And he was like, You should be doing this. And I was like, eh. So what is he? So he just did some kind of open mic and. Yeah, he told a really funny story. What, where in Texas was it? Lubbock. It was in Lubbock. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So West Texas, there's nothing out there. And uh, anyway. <laughs> 
Um, I he tells me where it is, and I was like, ah, maybe sometime. But in my head, I was like, I'm going. Yeah. And I went by myself and didn't tell anybody. And uh, and where they, was this at? Where was this open mic at? The place was called Backstage, and it's in the Depot District in Lubbock, which is like this country music bar. Fucking nice. Yeah, and this is kind of like one of those like this is like the bar that where you would discover like a band like uh, this is the kind of bar maybe Nickelback started in or something like it's just <laughs> except growy, big. except they're in Canada. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is like Bub City. Have you been over there? Like by the Zanies and Rosemont, like a big wide open kind of joint. Yeah, but, except except this one's authentic. Yeah, this one's like called, it was called Backstage, and we had uh, there was a mic there. Corey was like the stud. Corey had been doing comedy for four to six months, maybe. And it's so funny. It's, how, a, it's hilarious to hear anybody refer to Corey Wood as a stud. Like, <laughs> like in this scene, though. And his roommate, Joe, who lives here, too, yeah. was like the other guy. Joe Lauer is right. No, no, Gardner. no. Gardner, that's it. And he gave me a spot. And I didn't. I was supposed to message beforehand, and I didn't. He gave me a spot and bumped the other guy. I went up. You know, in my head, I'm like, this is, I'm doing really, really well. I didn't have one joke. I just went up there and talked about things I thought were funny. Yeah. Like, what did you talk about? I talked about like prolapsed assholes <laughs> just fearlessly. <laughs> it was about like how it was like crazy. I was like, you know, it's not hard to see that this exists, right? Online. <laughs> and I was like, what's crazier is, is like, there's a good chance these are just normal people. <laughs> And that's why some people are weird about shaking hands. See, that would have been like the mild punchline. Yeah. But yeah, I would be like, that would have been a real punchline. You probably didn't even have those. Yeah. And I was like, why? I didn't. Corey was the first one. Third, third mic. He was like, maybe you should try and write jokes. (laughs) And in hindsight, (laughs) well, we didn't have any, like anybody really doing comedy for more than a year. Yeah. I mean, in Lubbock, there was probably no professional comedy scene. Yeah. I mean, there were some good comics that came through. Like Stanhope has come through. Yeah. Um, but even then, like, so what did, maybe I should talk to Corey about this the next time I sit down and talk with him. Yeah. I mean, it's a neat, it's a great scene and they owe a lot of it to him and Joe. I mean, seriously, sorry, I'm going to put that on silent. They owe a lot of it to him and Joe and Jared and Dave, um, Lundgren, who's this older guy. Yeah. Yeah. Who's a psycho in a great way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so it's like funny because that just comes up out of nowhere, basically. Yeah. Like there's no model for how that should work Mm -hmm. and those guys kind of just build themselves Mm -hmm. so that had only been going on probably for what a year before max yeah probably less than that six months there used to be one but not like i think the hispanic scene's kind of big down there yeah but uh it was really easy to go be funny you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was easy. I mean, if you're moderately funny. Well, there's, if, there's no, if there's nothing to do, and there's people who are going out to bars, mm-hmm. and they want to do see something, Yeah. and it's like, uh, there's a model for what stand-up comedy is that everybody understands, Yeah. and then they can just go out and see it, and there's nothing else to do. One of the things Corey was talking about was, like, you could you could put out a Facebook ad, put, like, 20 bucks behind it, and get 100 people out to your show. Easy. Yeah, here, you was, can't do that. You can't do that at all in Chicago. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's because there's so much shit to do here. And the other, like, it's like uh, people are hungrier, a little bit hungrier for it, I think, there. Well, the same is true. When we went to uh, West Michigan, me and Corey, Lindsay Lucido, and Pat. Uh, McManus. Yeah, we went out and did a show like <laughs> two years ago almost now when Corey, I remember that. Corey first moved here. And, uh, and then even when you and me, and last summer, me and you and Matt Kennedy and Corey and Tristan all did that, sh- the 
that it's show was so funny. Small tour of the Midwest, which we'll talk about in a second. To this day, the show in Davenport is the worst show I've ever, I've never had a worst one. And strangely, one of the most funny memories I have. Yeah, actually, it was a bizarrely, it was paradoxical because it was one of the best memories of comedy I have too. But anyway, it was funny because we would throw, we, we threw some money behind advertising there and it worked and people really did come out people saw stuff on facebook and, then and actually did come out and then actually left the show throughout the show as, as soon as yeah pretty much as soon as anybody got up it was it was a downhill yeah pretty quickly from the davenport show but the one on the to this day the show that we did in omaha was like one of the best shows i've ever had yeah been that to. was a good one too it was though. a blast yeah and he would love to have you know us come back too that yeah. was awesome um right. but it's the same kind of thing it's like uh you know, there have to be people that are trying, they're really putting in effort to make like these scenes, maybe outside. I mean, everywhere. Someone's got to be kind of, there have to be some like leader work, not worker bees, but like people that are taking focused. some initiative. Yeah. yeah to try to and, really like build something. Yeah. And then there's got to be people that uh, know how to do things on the back end too. You know? Well, like what? Okay. So I, I think this is interesting because you said something once to me when we first met about you starting comedy and I and this I think about every once in a while because you said you wanted to just get up in front of people that was it so like whether or not it was even comedy you were like I just wanted to get up in front of people yeah and I was doing speaking stuff and loved it like I was being able to do like some public speaking stuff I always liked that and well what were you talking about Recovery. I was talking about addiction stuff, uh, and in college, I was the go-to for the presentation. Like towards the beginning of college, like people didn't want me in their groups at first because mm. I wasn't like a straight A student. It's just because I didn't care. But then when it came to presentations, like people started asking me to be in their group because you just crush. It. I would be fucking Tony Robbins up there just goofing, yeah. and I loved it. And uh, yeah, that's what I like. I like the idea of being able to like. Goof off and make people happy. That's the sickness I have. My mm. sickness mm. isn't like, and I call it a sickness because it is for sure. You know what I mean. Some people uh, call it whatever they want. I just it's a it's like a it's a need or and it's like a making people laugh uh, and being up there in front of people because when it's going well, it's the best feeling in the world, and when it's going bad, it is the worst feeling in the world. But it's the one place I'm like, I will fight my, I'll fight on this one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, yeah, I'm it, pretty passive it's, until it's then. It's funny, John, because like you're, you're a guy who, you know, having known you for like three years now and watching you on stage and kind of moving around and going on tour with you and stuff like that is, it's weird because like you, I've never, I've, even when you've had a bad set and I've only ever seen you have a couple of bad sets ever. I can tell that I'm like John's loving this. Like John, yeah, John weird. is loving how shitty this is going yeah. right now. Yeah. Like that was like that Davenport one is like you were like leaned I, into yeah, it. Yeah, you leaned way into it. <laughs> and we had that on film too. <laughs> you should have been at the talk show Friday night, man. That was a fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was I thought that? of us doing it on purpose, and I wasn't. What 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 was it? Same shit, different late night. Yeah. And just, it was a hit jam rock, and we did the same, it felt the same way, where everybody was like, I'm not really, sh I don't feel like I'm at a show really right now. This feels like just I mean, this comics guy are like rambling. Just the, oh my God. Yeah, kind Comics of are like the audience. Both. Oh man. Both. Like, you could see my peers in the back came over from Durkin's, and we're like, what? Yeah. What the <laughs> fuck is John doing right yeah. now? And I was just doing whatever came to my mind in yeah. that moment, because I wasn't well, about to do my act. Well, it's so bizarre, because like you, you, but that like works. Like I've seen you get up in front of cold rooms before, and you'll do shit that'll f get them on your side, and it doesn't even make any sense. Like One time at Commit to the Bit, I saw you 
the room was cold, and you got up and started talking, and there was a little spotlight, and you walked over and you just kind of like touched it, but you gave it this like very weird, like like almost sexual touch. Like, but it, there was nothing overtly sexual about it. It was just like this bizarre kind of caress. Like you were like, hey. And then like I actually remember, and that. then turn and look back, and the crowd like lost it. They thought yeah. it was so funny. Yeah, and I was, and you know, I was sitting there thinking, how the fuck does John think of doing this shit? Like it doesn't, it just didn't make any sense to me how your brain even came up to do that. It's a weird thing. Like I was not because uh, I can't. Here's the thing. I'm you, you and I. Part of the reason I like hanging out with you, I think, is that you and I are very different people, mm-hmm. and like I can't. That my brain doesn't function like that. Like if if I like there's there's jokes that I've heard you do or perform, and I think. I would not. I would in a hundred years. I would never think to say that that way. Yeah. <laughs> like I would say. I would go straight at it. Like I wouldn't. Like I would get up on stage and not do like a kind of wooing of the audience. I would get up on stage and be like, "What? Why the fuck aren't you laughing?" Like right at the. Yeah. I would go right at them. Yeah, and it's the thing. It's that thing. It's like uh, y'all are gonna have to like me to like this. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> you know. And it's like there's just a way to figure out how to. I mean, I think about that kind of stuff, but I'm not like I'm a big believer in how you get on stage. Sure. Like, and that's why I like to do all kind of like weird stuff when I go up. Yeah. And the trick is to figure out how to make my act reflect that in the next five to 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, don't do anything too weird. Um, but you'll also call out like very bizarre stuff. Like if you're on stage, you'll that's also a big problem. Of mine. You'll also just say, wow, it just got weird. Okay. Like yeah. I just, I just said it. I yeah. said it. Y'all didn't think I was going to say it. And I just did. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what's well, my big, my, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'll just be like, it'll be okay. You know, yeah, but it's the I have a bad problem. Comedy bar is a great example. Everybody's eating, like no one wants to eat the food at Laugh Factory. No, I mean not because it's a Gina or Zanies. But it like comedy bar. There's people digging into a fucking piece of deep dish. Yeah, or they'll get like a veggie platter with hummus. And I had the hardest time not being. I I would literally just be up there and be like, "How's the veggie platter?" I couldn't (laughs) not do it. And they hate that shit. Me it, doing but that's that. so funny. I the don't know. Audience, yeah. Well, for me a little bit, and then maybe, but for to the club that's like watching you to they're like, like see, what the fuck is this? They're guy? like, is this part of his act? Yeah. Because I've like, seen him be like deep dish pizza. Just that's it, and just keep going. And it's like, it's like I'm not a dog. You yeah. Know, you don't just say what comes to your mind. <laughs> well, dogs don't do that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> oh my gosh! But yeah. I mean, I think you know, and same for you, man. You do. Uh, thing is is like you you're a, you're more of a professional about it you're more i don't, like I don't know if organi- that's true you're more organized about your act and like thinking of your act like that and that's something that i've been working on but it's also true that when you go off the rails it's very funny well and that- <laughs> that's always what i've said though it's like you know, it's, i'm it's always funny. like just say just go up there and talk just it's funny upset when you say yeah when i we, it's funny you should say that because i've had more than one comedian tell me they're like, oh, man, when when Lemon really loses it. Well, it's not when you're mad. It's when you're um, just explore. Like, it's when you're just talking. Uh, how do I do Kind of that same thing, like the best. Um, like when you're just, it's almost like confusion. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, what is happening right now? And it's not when you get mad at the audience. Although I do enjoy that too. Sometimes. No, I know, I know you do. <laughs> but when you're just like, I mean, that's funny. Like we've had, I've told you this like ten times. But when you'll go up there and just be like, I'm not really sure what just happened right now, but this is just my day, you know? Yeah. I think that shit's so fun. Oh yeah, like I had a the, yeah. I definitely have like whenever something just happened, it is fresh, and I yeah. go up and just talk about it. 
That's yeah. when like because I have no attachment to it, and then it moves on. Yeah. But that's the thing is like you don't. It feels like when you go up and you talk, even if you're talking about something serious that I know that's like some relationship based material yeah, or some right. like other shit or that, of it. that I know. Yeah. And I'm like, man, John, like I know you well enough to know like a lot of that stuff's like very real to you. Mm. You have this casual way of talking about it on stage that feels like this, like you're just detached from it or, or not even not, maybe not detached from it, but you're like, you're like, um, how do I want to describe it? Like, you're playing a game of basketball, but you're like, and you're taking the game really seriously, but you don't care if you win or lose. You're just like, whatever. I'm just doing this because it's fun. And yeah. I don't know if I have that same thing. Like, I feel like I have to like win. Like someone or or someone has to lose. You know? No. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. I'm. Re- yeah. Totally. But I, it, it, I'm. I'm really hard on myself. I think. Um, and I also don't do well being like i killed or something hmm. I've, I've i've done that and that's something i've like worked on but in in general um i'm pretty hard on myself and like if something doesn't if it's not like amazing i'll be hard on myself but i'm never trying to like really beat anybody even though me and mike robinson were joking the other day and i was like i'm about to bury you <laughs> and i was like i'm dead serious but i'd like i know you like that and i'd like i like that but not yeah being just being hard on yourself, I think, is is the best way. Like you should hate your act. Yeah, I pretty much do. <laughs> yeah, eventually. I mean, you should love a new well, bit. Yeah, I mean, you and you you were cranking out. I mean, like even when we were living together, you would just go. You were very disciplined about going to write. You'd yeah, be like, I "Yeah, would. I'm gonna head out and go write." Like you would go out in your car and like write, and mm-hmm. uh, that or I don't know, smoke crack. I don't know what you're doing, but the, it seemed like you were writing. I yeah, I was definitely thinking about it a lot. <laughs> I go have my moments, but I don't use anything I write usually. Yeah, none of it. What do you? Where do, Where does your material come from then? It's conversational kind of shit where yeah. I just say something. And I'm like, I should probably write that down. Yeah, because like, I'll talk in a me. bit. Yeah. I'll talk in bits. Joe McMahon was like, you talk in bits, and I was like, ah, I'm really not trying to though. You just get used to it. And yeah. He's like, no, I know, but that's where I find it. Same thing. Yeah, I carry that notebook with me because it's the same exact kind of. I'll start. I'll just be talking and I'll go, oh shit, that's how I should say that. Yeah. It's all cadence a lot too. Like, you know, good cadence and then you have a good joke. It's like a great joke sometimes. Well, you also have kind of a way of talking. It'd be interesting to talk about this and how that you got into this from when you first started, John. But like, you also have a way of talking just with your accent and the way that you present that like kind of lures the audience into going like, where's this guy going with this or something like that. (laughs) One one day when I figure out how to put it all together, man, I'm going to (laughs) be... A pretty successful road show. <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, it's just that. It's just uh, I copy people a lot. I mean, like I'm not. I mean, like people from my life, not comics, but um, the way people talk. You know, I have a buddy Ford that you know is one of my best friends, and I will I'll catch myself talking like him, and the way he delivers stuff when mm. he was even being funny, I'll do that. And my buddy Brand. I mean, I have a bunch of buddies just from my life that. Uh, that that's how I kind of came to that, I think. And I didn't know I was doing it on purpose until after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, any I'll do anything up there to make people laugh as long as it, it I, I feel okay about it. Yeah. Like, I won't go up there and be a hack. Yeah. Well, so where did that come from where you just wanted to be, get up in front of people and start talking and stuff? And, like, you were doing a lot of time in Texas before you moved up here. Like, you were doing uh-huh. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I know it's a different animal, but like, 
Yeah. I mean, uh, you have a couple of videos that are pretty hilarious of you, like, for 15 minutes just talking to people in this, like, tiny room. Yeah. Um, that came from, I mean, I did those speaking, a lot of speaking stuff in college for, like, the major, and I was in recovery for a long time, and uh, so did speaker meetings and things like that. And I always tried to be funny in that. But I always liked, I like, uh, I like heavy speaking too. Like, uh, just as much as I, like, silence, I think is more powerful than laughter. Mm. But there's different types of silence, right? Like, if your goal isn't to make people laugh, you can feel real, real attention. It's humid yeah. with attention. And I always really like that. And I think that getting laughs, within those moments and the speaking things I was doing prior to starting comedy was what really got me being like, I could actually probably do this, you know? See, that actually makes sense too, because of kind of how your, your act is like you can, you're, you're happy, you're fine to just hang out in some silence on stage. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of something that's uniquely different about your, you know, that, that a lot of comics don't do. And even I'm guilty of this because I, I don't like to, I want to have, I just want to have something. I want to be getting something from the audience. Yeah. And so that's why it's like that we were talking before, but like I, I, I'll say weird shit or I'll like come at them or I'll like, I'll just crank the emotional temperature way up yeah. because like, I just want to get something from them. And it's yeah. kind of like, for me, it feels like almost like hate me, love me, laugh, don't, whatever. I just can't stand having, I don't like it when there's just not a lot moving around. Um, yeah, and it's funny because you're actually you're just very you're just different in the sense that you're cool with just giving that some time and space to breathe before you kind of like walk into the next thing. Yeah, and I think that like people want to know that you're good at comedy, and they don't get to know that you you know I mean we can't let them we have to let them, and I think that we have to let well, them know that know immediately. That they want to know that they can trust you, I think, without question. But they want to be like I'm trusting this person to be on stage because I have a hard time sitting down for ten minutes. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I'll, you know, when you, when you get up at a show, the times you have, you've been like, I don't want to watch this next guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or this next girl. I don't want to watch him. So it's the same thing. It's like, I think that like first it's, it's always my fault. And if it's not my fault, I'm not going to say it's not. Yeah. And you I mean, mean, if something doesn't go well, the audience, you know, it's my job to make the audience happy. Yeah. Period. You know, if something went wrong, then there's a there's a way where I can take care. You know, it's like cleaning your side of the street with stuff, you know. Sure. And I think that uh, that comfortability is almost just like, man, I'm going to let them know I'm fine up here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's so well, weird. Well, and it, it, that's such a good point, though, because it, it feels like that's the biggest thing that I think came from me doing Edinburgh was that I got to a point, and it's nuts because I've done stand-up for such a long time, but for some reason this was something that's just really stuck with me is like, it just got to a point during a lot of those shows where I was like, I don't really give a shit about this audience anymore. Meaning like, I don't need them to be any kind of way for me yeah. to be okay on stage yeah. and letting, and, and what I hear you saying is like letting them know that is very meaningful because it, it lets them know that you're not needy yeah, and that allows them to be however they're going to be. And they don't feel pressure to be any certain kind of way. And yeah. I think that a lot of comedy, when it goes wrong, especially with new comics, especially with any comics, I guess, but I see it just in new comics a lot, is like they just they 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 really want that laughter so bad, and the audience feels it, and it creates a very weird tension. Yeah, 
and it's like you're breaking tension too is how you know part of it yeah it's like uh obviously you want to make people laugh and have a good time and be happy but you're not you're not behold like no one's gonna say hey you're if someone goes hey you're doing all right <laughs> you're bombing right <laughs> you're doing okay so it, but if people aren't saying anything they're listening yeah and then you've got them you're 50 of the battles already well done. yeah and so like that's one of my favorite moments in comedy too is like when i'm in bits and i'm in the middle of a bit and there's some turn or there's a, there's a story maybe and i'm like and i i go and then this thing happens but then and then there's like a pause or i'll pause or something and you can feel all the attention even though it's not like you said it's like uh -huh. humid with attention and when you can feel it that's the part that I think is almost most satisfying to me. Is this out question? Is yeah. this feeling of like, oh shit, like I got, I got all of you I'm right listening. now. Yeah. yeah, I got all of you right now. Yeah, and it's that's like, and it's it's re the release, build and release. I, you know, and too, it's like I have no idea. I think that's what's crazy is like most people just go into comedy, just being like, well, let's we'll see what this is about, you know. Mm. And I think too, there are a lot of people that do it, um, for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, yeah. But, um, oh my God, I'm getting off. What, what's, is, I'm getting off topic, but. What? Oh, I was just, is everything okay? Yeah, this, I gotta, this thing is like. The levels? Yeah, yeah, one second. Okay, there we go. I got the levels messed we got, with. We got our levels good. <laughs> Hell yeah. You got any, where, where's the, uh, the serotonin levels on there? I need those to be better. Oh, the dopamine levels? Oh boy. The, the dopamine. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the big chase. Big chase for dopamine. <laughs> I, it's real, man. That's what's a, you know, people say that's behind everything. That's what the drives porn addiction. It drives heroin. It drives cocaine. It drives chocolate. Have we ever seen dopamine though? Like it's science, like science. That's you know, like a scientist, <laughs> like science. Um, like the yeah, like science. Yeah. <laughs> but have we seen dopamine? Yeah, like chemically. I mean, yeah. I mean, like and yeah. It's so how clever that you know scientists who run these studies. They have found a way to. Um, they have found a way to uh, recognize the presence of dopamine and how it interacts in the brain without actually seeing it do it. Yeah, and that's kind of the way. I guess they have to. They have to set up these, you know, studies. And then this is like way off of what we were talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, I don't care. Now, Go ahead. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, I got a big problem with the dopamine for sure, or whatever it is. I mean, I probably I do. I don't do. Here's the thing. I don't. I've never done. I'm a real, probably, fucking straight laced, pretty square guy mostly. I mean, like I drink a lot, but like uh, I'm all my vices are uninteresting. They're not sexy. I mean, like I I like exercise and I like uh, porn. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. But like, it's funny because like I don't do anything cool. I'm not like yeah, man. I'm like you know strung out or like shooting up or doing some cool shit. <laughs> There's nothing cool about like shooting up unless you're like a billionaire, right? Like no, the only guy that would be cool at doing Peter, heroin would Peter be like Thiel. Jeff Bezos. Where Jeff, Jeff Bezos Peter. was just like the coolest rock and roll heroin addict guy. Yeah, right. He's it's like, just, I bit the head off a fish the other day at a county yeah. fair. I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, right. I'm a, I'm a trillionaire. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah, and it's, I'll, I'll box a kangaroo right now. Totally. But, you know, what is neat <laughs> is when you do, like, there's certain drugs, and I mean, I've done them all. Because what done, can you do? What what do you, you got to lose? Like, if you're a billionaire, and you have all this money, what's left for, what's exciting anymore? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, 
Probably making more money, I guess. Well, I mean, but if you made it, I mean, Jeff Bezos is about to become the richest person. He might be the first person in the history of the planet to be a trillionaire. Isn't that crazy? And he's a tech thing, too, and that's what scares me. Yeah. I mean, it's actually terrifying because, like, these guys have so much money. And, like, Google is, like, Sergey Brin and Larry Page are, like, really spearheading this, like, concept um, along with Peter Thiel to, like, to sort of indefinitely prolong life. And this is this is so fucking crazy because like these are guys who who are the richest people in not just in the planet but in the history of the planet. Yeah. Like they have they have access to more power than anyone has and ever that's had. That's it. Power though. Yeah, but I mean the power is in the ability to to change things and get things done and and influence things. And and they're going to extend that indefinitely. Yeah. Did you ever see that movie um in time? It was uh, with uh-huh. uh it was with uh Justin Timberlake and uh, oh okay yeah with the with um, Scarlett Johansson no no no, no, no not Scarlett Johansson it's the other it's the blonde the other blonde <laughs> who looks I have a friend who looks exactly like her uh, Naomi shit. Watts what is, no not no not Naomi Watts uh, she was in she was in Mean Girls it was the first time she was shit who the fuck is it this is gonna drive me nuts. oh okay she was the one from um I know who you're talking about. Are yeah, 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 Are we yeah. Googling it? Yeah, I'm about to Google it because well, this is going to drive yeah. me insane. See, that's the power of Google. In time actress. In time movie. Here we go. Uh, Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried. That's who I'm talking that, about. Yeah. She looks exactly like a friend of mine. Um, yeah, you, here, this is this, that's her. We'll just put sure the, right. the photo of this. We'll just put the photo of Amanda Seyfried on this podcast. Oh, yeah, that should just be the only photo. Uh... So anyway, I have a I have a friend who looks exactly like her. But what I'm talking about is like this it's the world of the future wherein everybody has a certain amount of allotted time, just period. That's how much time you have. And you have a countdown that begins when you're twenty one years old and every day you work and you get paid in time. And like people can just continue it going, but obviously nobody can live forever. So you just at some point you just run out of time and you just yeah. don't have enough. Yeah. And there's not enough to go around for everybody. Yeah. But some people who are millionaires literally have millions, they have eons of time that they can live. And they've some of them <laughs> have lived for hundreds or thousands of years in this reality. Yeah, and, and it's uh and, and it's a system that everybody chose to be a part of, right? Yeah, it's super fucked up. Like because that's the one thing that's like it's it's really messed up that like we that's that's a possibility. That like Peter Thiel has like so many um you know, he's got a very unique situation because he's a billionaire mm-hmm. and he has all of these things. He's like obsessed with staying young and like trying to make sure that he can prolong his life. Google Alphabet guy. Or? He's a he's a, one of the f- uh, founders of PayPal, one of the first round and series A investors in um, Facebook. Like he um, he's a, a billionaire yeah. and, you know, has like does all kinds of weird stuff. Like he has like a, gets in blood infusions from like younger people who have the same blood type that he does. In order to like keep himself young and things like this. Yeah, it's like scar tissue too. You got Anthony Kiedis shooting up ozone in the first chapter of the book. Really? Yeah, and it's like that's a level of. I don't know what that's about, right? It's like that's a level of care that of your body or need, like shoot injecting ozone. Yeah, or injecting yeah. a younger man into your blood into my blood. Yeah. Is like in this weird way the worst thing ever, in my opinion. 
I mean, can you? But it, that's what's so weird about it is like that level of because you think about like they they have so much going for them. Like there's so much. I wouldn't want to. I mean, if I'm, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but if I'm, you know, Peter Thiel, I might be doing shit like that too because I'm like, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm on top of the world. Yeah. I don't want to lose any of this. The only thing that can go wrong, there's only a handful of things that could go wrong. Um, I could die, yeah. which is the biggest one. I'd lose it. <laughs> just, John, that was a very Sorry, gentlemanly of you, but you, John actually just sneezed into his own shirt. <laughs> Dude, you can sneeze in the space, man. It's okay. Oh, I mean, I want to. They're not. They're dry sneezes. It's weird. I'm having some allergies today. Okay, got it. Well, you get what I'm saying. So, like, you can basically. So, there. There's only a handful of things that these guys like are worried about. One is like I could die. The second is uh, some massive structural thing could fail, meaning like uh, some apocalyptic scenario could occur, um, or there's a massive social shift. Which all of them are concerned about, and this is why the guys like the Co- like people think people are like, oh, the Koch brothers are trying to enrich themselves with you know influencing politics. No, they already won. They, they won. They won. Rich. They're yeah. already rich. Yeah. The thing that they're worried about is is having a structural shift towards socialism that ca- causes them to lose their wealth. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they're really really worried about, and that that actually and that's a historical fear. Like after the French Revolution, all of the of Europe was terrified. And after yeah. the communist revolution in 1917, the rest of Europe was also terrified. Like, oh, they, we went straight to that. That's all we were afraid of. Yeah. And so it's interesting because like that's these guys are concerned about those things. That's where they spend their yeah. money. And that's why they spend their money on trying to stay, you know, live longer. For sure, too. And it's also like they, um, I, you know, it's weird. I think that they're also pretty concerned with their reputations. And I think that that's another thing. But like, because that, I mean... In the end game, and I, I believe this deeply, is that the, in the end of the day, the only thing that, that is the currency or, you know, commodity you can own, that, you know, for the longest time is your reputation, the way people think of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there are certain people that will live forever, right? Mm, mm. I mean, basically, you live you know, in history a little bit. And these are guys that are so rich. Oh, they're going to be... And done something yeah. so revolutionary. Yep. That, like... I And you don't hear a lot about him. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Peter Till, you said his name. I wouldn't know who he was. Yep. Until uh, until we had context. Yeah. But I can He's tell you He's a fascinating this. dude, man. Yeah. I mean, like, go ahead. Finish your point. Well, that, just that's it, though. It's like, I mean, you know, he's it's weird that he's trying to stay alive... Unless he's, you know, really trying to make an effort to, like, leave an impact, right? Well, because I think that he is. And I think that it's – he he's not sort of the only one. Is I think that a lot of these guys who are attempting to, to, to live forever, who are billionaires, their interest is not just in co- conserving life in order to continue to have it, but in order to have it – to then go influence other things. Like, so Elon Musk in this Hyperloop situation, like Peter Thiel wants to mine asteroids. Like, it's, there's, like, there's a whole, these guys have, like, visions for the future that they're very serious about making happen. And they have the resources to try to continue to do it, but the technology hasn't caught up yet. And so it's like, they, you know, you could, I don't know if it's, you know, is it selfish? I guess it is, but it's also like, they feel uniquely positioned to be able to actually do this kind of stuff. And I hope, and that's my hope. And I do see that like SpaceX stuff. Yeah. And then Bezos got the blue something. 
Um, I'm sure he's got something. There's two of them. One's, I mean, Elon's right now the superstar of it, but I mean, the stuff that they're doing at SpaceX is like crazy, crazy awesome, right? But also, too, that mountain for that technology to be so, like, the thing is, it's something that would change the entire world will never be released to the world yeah. at, at the rate we want it to. Mm. Right, mm. I mean, that's just never. It'll well, never see, that's not the thing. get it's filtered. Like, yeah, degree. see, that's the thing. Is like not everybody. That's the scary thing about the movie in time. Even though it's not a great film, but the the underlying point is like there aren't the resources that exist to allow everybody to live forever. Yeah, and so uh, some people have that opportunity, and some don't. And that's why different and that's lifestyles really, are great. And that's really fucking weird because, like, how do you? That changes the relationship. Like, we. I was just listening in the car with Gloria the other day to. How do you, uh, you know, through insurance or through some kind of, you know, uh, payouts or whatever, how do you value a human life? And all human lives are not valued the same. That like, you know, someone who's a busboy who gets killed, let's say there's an explosion Mm -hmm. and a busboy and a stockbroker both get killed. Yeah. And the busboy's payout would be something like over the, you know, over the, they're the same age, let's say. And they would have expected another, let's say, 25 years of working. The busboy would get paid something like, here's $600,000, which is probably, with investments, what that money would have accrued to over that amount of time. Uh-huh. We will pay that out to your family now. Stockbroker would be like, here's $6 million or here's $16 million, depending on. And that has to happen legally because those guys have different values and their lives are valued at different things. But this changes the relationship because it's like, which people are going to be able to get some, you know, in, in, essentially in vulnerability, you know, to time and which mm-hmm. people aren't. And yeah. you're like, well, that's just the nature of re- of the way that it's going to be. And, th- and carrying that into the future, how bizarre is that? Because people who continue to live are, you know, going to going to be whatever generation of humans they currently are. But the people who continue to reproduce will be evolving into a different species moving forward. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that bizarre? Mm-hmm. Totally. But I mean, also, too, I think there's an environmental evolution or like a like social uh, evolution. And two, I think it's a weird thing to think that like there's a point where we had to value human life. Yeah. Weird. Like there is a and that's like that weird consciousness about, you know, how do how do how do you navigate valuing human life? Well, one, you can be a pacifist and not really participate in the evaluation process. Yeah. Two, uh, you have to base it off of something, right? And it's like three, how do you base that off of something that isn't? Um, there's, how do you do that where it's not unfair? Yeah, it's, I mean, that was the whole point of the podcast we listened to. It was, I think it was uh, free, the Freakonomics radio yeah. podcast. And it, it, it's just a totally bizarre thing to think about but it's a and it's a series of philosophical questions that have to be answered and the thing is is it's not good to abstain or be a pacifist from that discussion because the people who have a vested interest in in the answer to those questions you don't want them to be the ones answering those questions for all people true but also it's like yeah i mean if we were talking like just straight genocide killing, like say they were just talking about like the the question of like we should probably get rid of you know all the Johns in the world because I don't really like Johns that much. Let's and just say anybody over five foot ten. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Save me. I will just be a roadshow act, dude. These I was the only six foot five person like in the United States. How oh my god! You would people would pay all kinds of money to come. Isn't in. that nuts? And I'm not that like. 
It's like I'm not that tall. Just move to Japan. You could do that now. I do hear that they love the talls. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most spaced out podcast, too. This is great. I love this. I was about to make a point about something, but I knew that I wasn't going to make a point. But I was going to act <laughs> like I was. You know, you know that moment? Yeah, you were like, like, here ah, we go. I'm just chatting. No, uh-huh. I just think that, that life is about You know, more. here's the thing. with uh, If these microphones weren't here, John and I would have this this conversation anyway. Mm-hmm. I just think life is um, is more about this than anything else. I know, and I think that there's the biggest problem is people. Every I, people think so much about themselves, yeah, and like what they deserve or what they need. And it's like, look, I don't, I don't come from a background where I was really wanted for much, you know. But I do. I think that like building relationships. And the way you treat people is the way they'll remember you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're if you've congruent in all areas of your life, then then you've really done pretty good in your life, right? I yep. mean, there are, there's homeless guys that I see that I can't stand, but there's one or two that I see that are always really nice to me, you know. And it's like th- that matters, and I'm nice to them, and that matters to them. I think, you yeah, know? or like just a stranger. You know, it's like that's why I'm, you should be nice to the Starbucks cashier. Well, I think how you treat others is how you treat yourself at a certain level. Yeah, it's a good. I believe that, and I'm like, God damn, I need to do a better job of myself. <laughs> well, I feel like I, I feel that that way a little bit. Sometimes I, you know, we just listen to this pod. I mean, we just Gloria and I just drove for eight hours in the car in the last couple of days mm-hmm. to and to and from Mich- Michigan, and uh, we were listening to this podcast. This is really fascinating. I'm think about this because uh, I'll, I'll bring it back to where we were just talking uh-huh. about, which was how you treat others is how you treat yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but this podcast was an episode of, uh, shit, what, what show was it? Uh, this American Life. Yeah. And there was a guy who was the, C, or the editor-in-chief slash CEO of Alternet, which is a, like a progressive news website. And this guy got accused of... Uh, for like the last 15 years of like all this me too shit that he got like he got accused of like harassing women who worked for him and mm-hmm. like like being like a sexual predator and just all this shit and they did an episode where they they had five different women who kind of came forward in the case and accused this guy and they all told their stories of like how this guy had kind of like entered their lives and what he was like and like all this sort of stuff yeah no and and you didn't hear the guy's perspective at all which I thought it was kind of interesting. Like it was just like, you know, they had a short statement that he kind of issued at the end of like the podcast, but it was like basically just listening to their stories, which I thought was fascinating. And the thing that was interesting to me about it was like this guy didn't care at all about their experience. Like not at all. There was no empathy. There was no sympathy. There was just like he's just using these women. It was pretty shitty. And they all kind of realized that in different moments Mm -hmm. of like this relationship with this guy. And, uh, and that's ultimately what led to like falling apart. But like the thing that occurred to me about this was I was like, this guy was not aware, I think, that this is how this was going. And like, or if he did, he convinced himself that this was like okay. And it's fucked up because I think about that, and then just to draw it back to how you treat others is how you treat yourself, is it's like I am I live under this constant fear that I'm coming off really terribly to people. Not in like a gro- gross, like sexual way like this guy was, but I just mean like in the way where like he wasn't realizing how he was coming off and it was gross and sexual, but like 
I am constantly terrified I'm coming off in like a really bad way oh, and everybody yeah. is just tolerating me. <laughs> well, it's like a good way to go though too and it's also like I mean, not everybody and you you know, you're not, but you might to some people. Yeah, I don't me know. too. I think the same thing, but it's like also it's like no one ever tells it just seems like as a society no we don't we're not told that like sometimes you should question your outlook and philosophy on life oh and that's yeah. okay to do and we don't do that no no you're supposed to have all the rewards socially go to people who act like they have it all figured out and it's what it's crazy is is like and i think that being having it figured out though is to be like my philosophy and outlook might not be the right way no the way i carry myself might not be the right way and that doesn't happen. But, you know, as long as you're willing to say that, like, there's the thing where people are like, I'm this way and I don't really care if anybody cares about it. And I was like, it's fine with me. I'm probably not going to like you one of these days, though. Right? I just, that's what, like, like, people who say that shit get on my nerves. Like, people who say things like... I mean, I have friends that, we have friends that are like that. And yeah. it's like, that's going to bite you in the ass one of these days, like, there's buddy. Just, there's just something about it where somebody sa- if somebody says, like, listen, I'm the kind of person who blah, blah, blah. Or let me tell you something about me. I'm the kind of guy who blah, 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 blah. Or... Like when people represent themselves that way, there's a part of me that's yeah. like, this this feels fake and weird to me. Like yeah. you, like how the fuck do you know how you? Well, that's are? why I love confrontation and confrontational people because I'm willing to be like, no, let's go. I'll you know I'll hold my hands up. You can hit my hands or whatever you want to do. Yeah, because it is kind of like, it's so it's so dumb to think that I could potentially be right when I realize that some of the thoughts and ideas that I might carry in my life were taught to me by some ridiculous people. And I'm not talking about even racist things. I'm talking about just like super stupid stuff. Like my dad told me, this is funny. My dad told me that roaches would grow in your butt if you didn't wipe your ass well. And I am not kidding you. Well, I was probably 14 when I realized that wasn't true. Right. And not like big roaches, but that's when your butt itched. It was little bugs. Yeah. You know, I wiped the shit out of my ass too. (laughs) Literally. I wiped the hell out of my ass after that. Yeah. And the point is, is like for, for a, even as a 30 year old man, for me to walk around and think that like, you know, this, this might be true that I think, and it is that, you know, end all of that is so ignorant mm. and so stupid. And people who usually ref- act like that, I don't, I don't really like, yeah, I'm nice to them. Sure. But I don't. Yeah, I just there's just I mean that's why this podcast is called The Madness Continues. I think is because mm-hmm. I think like why I'm trying to I, this whole thing is just a big trying to figure it out, and there and and it's a you know I I think it's fucked up that we live in a social situation in which like the people who are who act the most certain are the ones who receive the social rewards, even though that certainty is uh, just a performance. Yeah, and like, you know, every time figuring it out, it's like, well, every solution to an issue I might be trying to solve just becomes another variable in a larger solution in my life. Sure. And it's just like, it's more and these like, all things, these all things are all relative to each other, maybe. And it's all one big kind of equation. It's like the equation of your life, right? Yeah. And it's like, um, that's kind of, you know, I think that's the way I'm trying to think of it, you know. I mean, but I think that, I think that it's, inefficient to be staunch about something you know what i mean or be staunch about where you're at in your life or, or what you're doing right or wrong right yeah and also too i mean we've heard of it somebody could just give you a million dollars tomorrow i mean i hope so i'll see you peter tomorrow. teal see yeah. you tomorrow <laughs> yeah. for, for real i would love to if i saw him 
there's a 25% chance I'd be like, dude, can I just have like 10 grand? Yeah. And he brought, he might be like, he'd be like, no, fuck you, man. (laughs) Can I have some of your blood? That's the the billionaire's equivalent to me getting asked for a dollar on the street. Yeah. Right. right. He's like, no, I earned that. Somebody who is, we were talking to somebody a while ago and they were, we were doing this like joke. I mean, it was me and you and somebody, this is like months ago now outside of like Blarney. And somebody was like, "Would you would you suck a dick for like te- for like a oh, million yeah. dollars?" And I was like, D- "Yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah! I'd suck ten dicks for a million dollars. Are you crazy?" At the same time, yeah, like I don't know how was your yeah, like what I what who wouldn't do that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> even crazier. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, now I'll tell you this: I wouldn't need a pussy for a million dollars. No, why? Because who? Whatever woman is paying a man a million dollars to eat a pussy. <laughs> It's a real gamble of getting an orgasm, right? <laughs> I should, that's maybe a joke. <laughs> you don't, yeah, you don't know what you're, you don't know what you're getting into. I was like, because yeah, for a million dollars, I'm gonna go. Uh, how about, does this feel good right here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for I was gonna say for a million. The one thing you do know is that that no, nothing good is coming out of that. Thing. Yeah, I've always been like, well, who's paying a million dollars for blowjobs? <laughs> I hate blowjobs. How bad is that dick? I would pay 25k for a hand job. <laughs> If it was a really good hand job and I didn't ha- and I ha- and I had 25k just to throw out, yeah. I would do that. Sex is exhausting. I don't think See this is what's fucked up is all I don't think it. it's wrong to pay for sex. I never have, but I don't think it's wrong at all. I don't think there's anything negative about that. Uh, I don't either. I mean, I don't know. I I think that it's just a weird there's so much gray area with that. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Everything that goes around for goes around with it. It's got to be the context of it, right? But Paying for sex. I can't do it. And it's not morally. It's just like, maybe it is moral and I'm not willing to admit it, but it's just like, I can't, I wouldn't be able to get it up. I feel like you, you have, you, you, knowing you as well as I do, I feel like you would have to have some emotional, social connection. I have to have that in all sex. Yeah. 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 You would, if you, the only time that this would make sense if you paid for sex is if you already knew the woman. Yeah. And she... Was talking, trying to talk you into it. Yeah, like my aunt or something. You know? <laughs> <clears throat> no, seriously, I have to have, like, I have to be. Yeah, I got to be into you. <laughs> just John keeping himself honest. Yeah, just keeping it honest, and you got to be into me too. I think that's the other part of it, right? Because you hear all this stuff about people, you know, not being into somebody. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just can't. I don't think I could really. The one time I've only once ever. I think had sex with somebody who I wasn't into, and I I was pretty wasted at a at a festival, and yeah. this girl brought me back to her place, and I kind of halfway sobered up when I was at her joint, and I went, oh I uh oh, like I'm yeah. already in too deep. Yeah, and, and I like, like oh, I lost my friends. So much and variables know. to go to that. Yeah, right? I don't know where my car is. Like I'm pretty wasted. I'm really tired. Yeah. If I leave, I was in Detroit, so I was like, if I leave and I'm this wasted, I'm probably gonna get fucking jumped. Yeah, because you feel dumb. You yeah. feel like dumb in that moment because you're like, you're like, I'm not really into this person. Yeah. I got all these things. I've literally let my lesser, be my midbrain, <laughs> put me in this situation. Yeah, my reptile brain has got and me it, into this situation. And then a lot of times too, and I think a lot of got women and men will think this is like, um, we are trying when, when it feels like we're trying to do something we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. We, we usually act out of line and I don't mean like negatively. I just mean outside of our normal self 
or we feel bad or feel shame or something like that, you know? And it's like, it's a funny story too, but it's like, you're like, isn't it crazy that you let yourself go there? Oh yeah. Get into that position. It was awful. And yeah, then that she night, may have really liked you. She may have been thinking the same thing. Who knows? I don't know. No, she was, I think she really liked me and was really into it and wanted me to like stay over and like wanted to make me breakfast the next day. And I was like, I gotta go. I'm not a big breakfast eater. I'm a, I am, but I, not that day. No. Yeah. I just think it's funny for you yeah. to be like, shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I called my buddy and I was like, you gotta come pick me up, dude. Like, and he was like, did you end up coming home with that girl? And I was like, yeah. Yes. It's bad news. Um, all right, I know you got to get going soon. Man. Yeah, I just saw so let's this. Do this. Let's do this. Let's let's. What's the you what, what shows you got coming up? Uh, I'm gonna probably release this uh, Tuesday, actually. So okay, um, so uh, the 21st, I'm at, I'm at Chuck. Yep. 21st, I'm at Chuck. Next Sunday, Dead Comedy at a live one, nine o'clock. Nice. That's uh, the 19th. And then the Hidden Comedy Show is a show I help out with. I don't think I'm on that one. Got it. Um, and then I'm going to be out and then I can't remember. Oh, burnt at laugh factory is the 23rd. And that I, I, I don't know if I'll even be there for that, but that's a show I help out with. And that's going to be awesome. Well, I've never heard of that show. It's brand new. Burnt. What yeah, is it? I'm about to go meet and figure out exactly. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I'm about to figure out exactly what I'm doing on it when I leave here. Nice. Who's all involved with that show? Um, I know that Zach O'Ryan's hosting, and that Brian from the Laugh Factory is putting it on. Brian Morton, uh, um, and then Brian, I gotta get. And I think Zach John Marjolewski. Oh man, John, where's he been? Oh, he's around, man. I think he's in on it. I don't want. I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's. Mm. So yeah, I can. I just like looked at my phone, and they're like, "Hey, we're here. Y'all coming?" <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, right, so. good thing we don't live too far. Yeah, no, not far at all. Uh, all right, John. Well, where can anybody get at you, man? Uh, Instagram. Nice. Don't look at my Twitter. <laughs> they're they're both me at me John underscore Norman. No, me underscore John, John Norman. Norman. One word. Um, Instagram. Oh, this is always such a hard question, and I put all my shows up usually there. But I'm also. Um, you could see some stupid shit on YouTube probably, but I try to keep that under wraps right now. Yeah. But I think I'm going to release like a six minute set. You can see me dancing around on stage at Laugh Factory. Yeah, man, do it. Yeah. Uh, we need to have you and Corey Wood and me sit, sit around. We for need this. to do that. We got the for three sure. mics. I could, I could hook them up and actually do the, the triple recording in this thing. And I would love uh, it. It would be really fun to have the three of us sit around the table and just kind of get drunk and talk on this pod. I would fucking love to do that. Yeah. Well, let's do that next time. Um, John Norman, thank you so much for joining me. Meanwhile, the madness continues. Goodbye. Bye.